If Jose were to be the what you would call the fifth starter in this rotation, it could open up an opportunity where he may start three times to open up the season in April, and that would allow for a lot of opportunity down the stretch where you're keeping an eye on things, but you're not terribly worried come August and September that we're going to have to go to a six-man rotation. We're going to have to start missing starts, uh, a lot of stuff along those lines as well. And, of course, Jose, always energetic, always eager to get going, but he's starting to learn as he gets older and has had to battle some injuries like he had not had in high school or the minor leagues got to be patient. It's sometimes better to wait for the season to roll along. Well, we're set to go to baseball. Jeff Mathis has made the throw to second base, and now Curtis Granderson digging in, a left-handed batter, right fielder for the Mets, hitting 273 this spring. Marlins shifting the infield a bit towards the right side. Here's the first pitch from Fernandez. Fastball taken for a strike lower inside corner as we get going at 1.06 p.m., the time of our first pitch here in Jupiter, Florida. Mets and the Marlins just starting. Next pitch by Fernandez. Fastball misses just upstairs. Count evens at one ball, one strike. Granderson at 273 average. He is 3 for 11 so far in spring training. Fernandez ready to go. Here's the 1 1. Fastball taken for a strike. And now he's ahead in the count at one ball and two strikes. Curtis Granderson yesterday celebrated a birthday. He is now 35 years old. First broke in the major leagues when he was only 23 with the Detroit Tigers. Back in 2004, low fastball swing and a miss, strike three. Jose Fernandez strikes out Curtis Granderson to begin the game, and we're off and running here at Roger Dean Stadium. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast. I'm Roger Hoover, and I'm recording this on Thursday, September 29th, 2016 from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and certainly not the happy circumstances that we normally have around this podcast. This has been a difficult last week, obviously, uh, with the news that we got on Sunday morning with the tragic death of Jose Fernandez, the ace of the Miami Marlins, and for really the last four years, and even when he was in the minor leagues, this is somebody that was really the heart and soul of the entire Marlins organization. Very fortunate to be the radio broadcaster for the Jacksonville Suns, who since 2009 have been the AA affiliates of the Miami Marlins, and my first year with the Suns was even in 2011 and it was so exciting when the Marlins selected Jose Fernandez out of Tampa Alonzo High School in the first round. And we knew that Jose was going to be on the way at some point to the major leagues. And we knew at some point as well, even back in 2011, that this is somebody that's probably going to come through Jacksonville, just like Mike Stanton, later known as Giancarlo Stanton, did. And certainly the wave of talent we would see. But Jose was always very different, and it was really fun getting ready for the 2013 season and getting prepared for Jacksonville Suns baseball when I had just been rehired back in Jacksonville by Peter Bragan Jr. We knew we were going to have a really good team loaded with a lot of good prospects like Christian Yelich, Marcelo Zuna, Jake Marisnik, Justin Nicolino. We knew they were going to be coming in from the Blue Jays trade. There were there was just so much excitement around that team, but all of the excitement going into spring training was about 
Jose Fernandez, who had been just brilliant in the minor leagues the year before with Greensboro Grasshoppers going 7-0 there, a 1-5-9 ERA in 14 starts. Then when Jupiter went 7-1, a 1-9-6 ERA. You just look at his last full season in the minor leagues. Jose in 2012, 14 wins, 1 loss, a 1.75 ERA in 25 starts in two leagues that can be very tough to pitch in, especially the South Atlantic League. Greensboro is, is really known as a hitter's park. So for him to put up the numbers he did, we were just giddy about the possibility of him coming to Jacksonville and being the opening night starter for the 2013 season. And I uh, got a chance to see him in spring training just around the backfields, uh, getting set to go. And he was just such a joy to be around someone that uh, – you could tell was just having a lot of fun even watching those minor league spring training games that are, quite honestly, not always that much fun to watch on the backfields. You don't have a scoreboard. It's kind of hard to tell what's going on at times, but uh, Jose was locked in just like he was a, a little kid getting to play in Little League Baseball. But as fate turned out, a couple of starters for the Marlins that year, Henderson Alvarez and Nathan Evaldi, both were placed on the disabled list on the Sunday before opening day. So that meant that Jose Fernandez was not going to Jacksonville, where he later told us he already had an apartment lined up and he'd already been making his plans to be the opening night starter for the Suns to start 2013. But he was going to the major leagues and he was going to the Marlins and he turned out to be... And and at the time, we kind of wondered, okay, maybe he'll go for a few starts, get his feet wet, and then he'll come back at some point to Jacksonville. There really was that thought, but there were a lot of people as well who thought, you know what, he's going to be there, and he's going to be there for good, barring injury. And 2013, he only pitched for one team. That was the Miami Marlins going 12-6, and a 2-1-9 ERA, 28 starts, on his way to being named the National League Rookie of the Year, and it was so exciting from afar in Jacksonville to watch his starts, and even with a lot of the prospects that we had on those teams, they were just so fired up every time Jose took the ball for the Marlins in the major leagues. Obviously didn't lose that season when he pitched at home in Miami. It was just so very special, the story of somebody that had been born in Santa Clara, Cuba, and had tried three times to make it from Cuba to the United States. One time got caught and had to be imprisoned. One time, a woman fell overboard on the boat. He jumped into the water, saved her. It turned out to be his mother before he finally did make it to Mexico, then to Texas, and then from there to Tampa, Florida. But it was just incredible to see how Marlins fans really latched onto him and really made Marlins Park, when he started, a very special place to be. And I'll never forget, late in 2013, I had the chance to go to Miami for the very first time. And it turned out to be on September 6th when he took on the Washington Nationals at Marlins Park. And he ended up getting the win. He went seven scoreless innings, only allowed one hit, walked two batters, struck out nine. It was the first time I'd ever been to Marlins Park for a game. Got to sit, for the most part, in the game in the... Marlins Radio Network booth in between Dave Van Horn and Glenn Geffner. Also, Kyle Seeloff was there at the time in his first year of the Marlins. And then one of the cool things I got to do is I got to walk around the ballpark. And uh, just there were so many Fernandez jerseys at that point. Uh, so many Cuban-Americans really flocked to Marlins Park when he started. And it was just so exciting. 
Uh, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen, and he obviously got named the 2013 National League Rookie of the Year. They, The Marlins did such an amazing thing when Jeffrey Loria helped work with the United States and Cuban governments to bring his abuela, his grandmother, to the United States. They had that surprise for Jose when he was doing an interview saying, if you could say anything to your grandmother, what would you say if she were here? And he said, there's no way for her to be here. Then he turned around and she's there. Uh, So special. And uh, just everybody from every level of the organization looked forward to days that he started, got off to a very good start in 2014 before he had to be shut down due to Tommy John surgery, Uh, even made the joke that he was going to learn how to pitch left-handed so he can come back sooner. And we were hoping going into 2015 that at some point Jose would pass through Jacksonville and get to make a start for the Suns as part of his rehab process. And as it turned out, the last minor league start he had before making it to the major leagues ended up being with the Jacksonville Suns on June 27th of 2015 at the baseball grounds. We had over 7,000 people come. We were able to really promote the event that Jose Fernandez was going to start in a Jacksonville Suns uniform, and he ended up taking the loss. He ended up allowing four runs on six hits in his five innings of work, most notably gave up a home run to a really good Southern League hitter in Nick Ramirez of the Biloxi Shuckers as the Suns eventually did lose the game, but he still felt good after his start, and coming up in a moment, I'll play the interview that I had with him. The only time I actually got to interview him was that day uh, after his start, after he had also talked to Jessica Blaylock of Fox Sports Florida, and that was really the most I ever was around Jose Fernandez. He came in late. He did not get into Jacksonville until the day of that game, and he took batting practice, and I was able to ask him about some media things during BP, and it was just a very brief conversation about uh, what the process would be like after the game. But I, I did ask him, you know, how are you feeling? Are you ready to go? He said, I can't wait. He said he'd been having a hard time sleeping, getting closer and closer to making his return to the major leagues. And uh, after we spoke on July 2nd of last year, he did make it back to the big leagues in a day game at Marlins Park, got the win, going six innings. He also hit a home run. Really cool to see that in his long return from Tommy John surgery. And uh, he ended up, uh, of course, even having some more injury problems later on in the season, missed uh, a little bit of time in August and September, but a lot of high hopes for him this year, and uh, he really lived up to the hopes for all the Marlins fans. He was able to stay pretty durable, uh, still make 29 starts, posting 16 wins compared to only eight losses, once again, a year where he had an under three ERA, and he was just starting to really pitch well. And you go back to the last start he, as it turned out, ever had in professional baseball, going up against the Washington Nationals, eight innings, only allowed three hits, struck out 12. Two starts before that against the Dodgers, he had 14 strikeouts. He was really starting um, to, again, show that he is one of the best players in baseball. Two-time All-Star for his two fully healthy years. And... Um, Again, he was just a joy to be around. He was somebody that really electrified baseball fans in Miami. And then Sunday, we learned the news that he had passed away in a tragic boating accident with two of his friends. And um, about as shocking of a loss as you can possibly have. Especially when you think about just how much he meant 
to the Miami Marlins, and I got to see it up close, and I got to see it from players that are now on that team that were in the minor leagues while Jose was making his mark in the majors, especially back in 2013, and um, it really hurt. Uh, I, I think I, along with pretty much everyone else that's been around the Marlins organization, and really just baseball fans, you didn't have to be a Marlins fan to really be impacted by all this. It's just so shocking, so shocking that at 24 years old this could happen and this could happen to somebody that really embodied everything about what you hope the major leagues will look like in the next few years. But that's what unfortunately has happened. And the Marlins cancel their game Sunday. Monday they had to come back and play, and I'm sure even then it felt like really too soon for a lot of these players, but they did have a game to play against the Atlanta Braves, and um, I didn't go to Miami. I had thought about it uh, and really had planned at times to go down this week to watch them play, but I just wanted to give my Marlins friends and uh, especially the players uh, I'm friendly with, just wanted to give them a little bit of space this week and and the broadcasters as well. Um, And uh, the Marlins... Had many great tributes, uh, first of all, for them to all wear black jerseys, number 16 with the name Fernandez on the back. That was very powerful. Just the image of all the players wearing Jose's name and number and something that's never happened in Major League Baseball before. Uh, We've seen the Jackie Robinson day where all the players wear number 42, but uh, nothing quite like this. or a teammate that had just two days before been in that clubhouse, been in that dugout for a game. All of a sudden, he's being memorialized like this. It was incredible. It was incredible to see the Marlins come together around the mound before the game and uh, rub some dirt from the mound and wipe it on their pant leg like Jose used to and John Carlos Stanton really stepping up as a leader and saying, if, you know, if you see a teammate hurting, help him up. You know, need a hug, get a hug. Just everyone help everyone. And uh, Adam Conley goes out, gets into a little bit of trouble, but Dee Gordon comes up, stands from the right side of the plate, imitated Jose's batting stance, and then turned around, bats left-handed, and hits a home run. A towering homer, his first of the year. He's not a home run hitter, and he's in tears by the time he gets to home plate, and his Marlins teammates gave him a lot of love and some hugs in the dugout and very touched by how Derek Dietrich kind of grabbed a hold of him in the dugout. Uh, And We've had Derek on this podcast, and Derek's a good friend, and they just played with a sense of brotherhood and – had a good win against the Mets that night. And I know it was very tough for the Mets as well. And I thought they were very classy in the way that the two teams were able to come together and hug. And um, before the game, I thought it was powerful as well. And then after the game, the Marlins win and they go to the mound once again and leave their caps. And Jose and Giancarlo had another speech about Jose. And it's just tough. It, it, it's extremely tough. And, um, a lot of tears have been shed about this by me and I don't know uh, Marlins fans and 
That's continued into Tuesday's game, Wednesday's game, with the procession that went by the ballpark and uh, the team as well having a private funeral or two players, Marcelo Zuna and Martin Prado, spoke. Um, a lot of tears. A lot of tears. And I really – there's no way to make sense of it. And it's always going to hurt. I think this is one of those tragic deals that is always going to really hurt every time I think about it. And when I think about how we lost such an outstanding young man like Jose Fernandez at this age and uh, at a time where he had a girlfriend that was pregnant, that is pregnant, um, and he leaves behind a family that had already endured a lot just to get to this country and then to watch him get to play baseball. It's tough. It's very tough. But with all of this tragedy, I, I can't say enough how proud I am of the Miami Marlins and the organization and a lot of people outside of baseball and people that don't always know what they're talking about are quick to really criticize the Marlins and talk about how you know, they're never in the race, and the Marlins were in the race this year uh, for the wild card up until last night. They got eliminated from postseason contention, what, game 158. That's incredible. It's an incredible turnaround they've had under Don Mattingly. This is a team that has some of the brightest young stars in the game of baseball and a great coaching staff, and they're really great people up and down the organization. And I get to see it in the minor leagues, most notably, but just in the time I've gotten to spend in Miami and at spring training and even getting to call some baseball for them earlier this year, the Marlins are an outstanding organization. And I hope that the baseball world and the sporting world recognized what a class act this organization really is, because that's what I keep coming back to and Obviously, with the Marlins, no one has really helped me in my career more than their broadcasters, starting on the radio side with Dave Van Horn, Glenn Geffner, uh, and Kyle Seeloff, who who invited me on to three of their spring training broadcasts to get my first major league play-by-play in. And as it would turn out, the man that threw the first pitch in a major league game that ever got to call was Jose Fernandez. First game I ever did last March was March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Jose Fernandez went up against Jacob deGrom. Mets eventually got the win, but it was electric to see Jose. And part of the reason I guess I was so nervous (laughs) going into that first game was uh, just the fact that it was a Jose day. And this is something always Marlins fans look forward to. But I really enjoyed getting that opportunity and have enjoyed a good friendship with those guys over the past few years. And they made an outstanding tribute. I would really encourage everyone to look up the Miami Marlins podcast and listen to the tribute that Kyle Seeloff and Boomer Dangle put together earlier this week that they played on Monday's broadcast. And and for Dave Van Horn and Glenn Geffner to be on radio the last three nights and even coming up this weekend in Washington for them to – have the composure they did, even though they had to fight through tears a lot. I thought they did a wonderful job. Um, and same can go for the television coverage I watched uh, with 
Rich Waltz, Al Leiter, Craig Minervini, Jeff Conine, Jessica Blaylock, all the way around. The Marlins television and radio broadcast really did a nice job in honoring Jose Fernandez and making sure that they were very sensitive to the grief that not only the players are experiencing, the fans are experiencing, the organization, but even their own grief. And at times, you could tell that they were hurting with the job they had to do, especially Monday night. But I've gained so much respect for them, and I can't begin to describe how lucky Marlins fans are to have them as their broadcasters um, because I think they set the right tone. And the rest of this week is going to be about Jose and remembering all of the good things that he did and all the good contributions he made to my Marlins baseball. And in a way, it won't ever be the same without him, but there is going to be an opportunity, I believe, to really help cement his legacy. Obviously, no Marlin is ever going to wear the number 16 again. And I hope there are more tributes on the way. Some have suggested a Jose Fernandez Spirit Award be named. I'd certainly be in favor of that. I, I just want to make sure that, especially with younger generations that will follow that never got to see him pitch live like I did and like so many of you did, I really hope there's a way we can just show the passion he had for the game and the way it should be. Because that's what I'm going to remember about Jose Fernandez. He wanted to win when he did do things well. He let you know about it. He was happy about it. And I think we need more of it. Uh, Bryce Harper in spring training talked about how we need to make baseball fun again and baseball's kind of old rules can be tired at times. And he pointed to Jose Fernandez and said, you know, look, when Jose strikes you out, you know, he gives you, he looks at you, he gives you a big fist bump and you know where it is with Jose always. And I love the fact that I even tweeted about it. I think that it's good that Bryce is recognizing just how much fun Jose Fernandez is. And it's sad we don't have that much, that we don't have somebody like that in the game. But I hope in light of this tragedy, we're going to see a lot of players uh, approach the game the same way that Jose did each and every time he went out there. But definitely... Thoughts and prayers still with the Miami Marlins. And now we're going to listen back to an interview I did with Jose after he made his final rehab start in the minor leagues in 2015, coming back off Tommy John surgery. Here's how he felt that night and also touching on his time. And also touching on his time in the minors and how he nearly became a Jacksonville Sun. Roger, we're now joined by Jose Fernandez of the Miami Marlins, of course, just finished his last rehab start with the uh, Marlins in the minor leagues, but pitching for the Jacksonville Suns tonight. And first of all, Jose, how'd you feel on the mound? You know, healthy. I think that that's a big picture, you know, feeling healthy and get out of it, you know, healthy. I think the uh, pitch kind of went up to 90. I think the last two innings, uh, they were really, really good, what we wanted it to see. And, uh, you know, it's just part of the struggle and... Uh, part of the struggle and part of the, the way you react, you know, the way you respond from that. So I think it was fun. Uh, you know, first time pitching in Double A, so I was, I was really excited. How did you feel on the mound from start to start in your rehab process? You had four starts at high A, but tonight your first time in Double A. 
uh, you know, healthy. I think, you know, getting a chance to go out there every five days uh, is for sure special. And more when, you, you know, you get a surgery like this and, and you spend so much time away from the field and from the mound. I think that uh, it's really important and uh, something that, uh, that I will never take for granted. Do you feel like you got better as this start went along? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, you know, it's always stuff that we work on. Uh, you know, those pitches that started getting better later on. And, uh, and uh, there was a couple of pitches that, you know, I left up in the zone. And, you know, they hit it. They're like, uh, they're pretty good hit. They're a pretty good hitting team. And uh, I was just trying to do my job. Let's go back to a couple of years ago. In 2013, you were supposed to be the opening night starter for the Jacksonville Suns to begin the season. How much were you thinking about Jacksonville to start the year? And then, of course, you got the exciting news you are going to the major leagues. I already had an apartment and everything. Uh, you know, just looking forward to come here and, you know, hopefully be here for half a season or so and, you know, join the big league team. But, uh, you know, got lucky. I think that uh, I got called up to the big leagues. But uh, I was looking big time looking forward to come to Dole. And what was your impression of this ballpark, kind of crowd we had tonight? No, it was beautiful. I think that, you know, it was a bunch of kids, uh, you know, a bunch of fans, you know, that you feel you really feel the love and uh, the people are really kind. And uh, I think it was great. It was great to be to be a part of it. For sure, I miss pitching with fans and stands a lot. Yeah, when you go back to that rookie season in 2013, what most stands out to you? Of course, you win the Rookie of the Year, your National League All-Star. I think learning the league. Uh, I think learning a lot of things, uh, you know, learning the strike zone, the umpires, uh, you know, the other teams, the hitting, the hitting. There's, there's a bunch of things that you got to learn. The big leagues are a little different from here. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's baseball, and then you got to throw strikes and get out. Of course, a great rookie season. You go into 2014, had some early success as well. But when did you first start to notice the elbow discomfort? I was against L.A., uh, you know. Through one pitch and uh, didn't feel good, and I uh, tried to go to my next start and uh, didn't feel good. So, uh, no, I don't like to talk much about that. So, you know, just needed to happen. And then the decision to have Tommy John surgery. What were the next few months like for you when you really couldn't throw a baseball that much and had to be away from the team a little bit? It was tough. I was tough being patient. Uh, you know, it's tough even to think about it, but. Uh, just times uh, and things that you learn and uh, things that you learn not to take for granted every time that you're in the mound. And also coming back, getting ready for this season, just how excited were you when you first got to throw off a mound and then finally start to make these rehab starts? Yeah, very excited. I mean, that's, that's, that's what a pitcher wants. A pitcher wants to be in the mound and wants to be competing every Friday, so for sure really excited. And, of course, you're going to take on the San Francisco Giants on Thursday in Miami. How ready are you for that start? Pretty ready, as ready as I was today. Uh, you know, I think it's just part of it. I think that, you know, was another step closer, so really looking forward to it. Well, Jose, best of luck in your return to the Marlins. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. What a guy. Jose Fernandez, I'll always be thankful that I got to cross paths with him. And at 24 years old, he, he's he gone far too soon. And thoughts and prayers of his family and the Marlins as they close up this season, this weekend in Washington, and just continue to pray for the family and of the families of his two friends he passed away with. That's just so sad. Thank everyone for listening to this episode of the podcast. We'll have more to come coming up either later this week or early next week. But thanks, everyone, for listening. And rest in peace, Jose Fernandez. Breaking ball swing and a miss, strike three. Fernandez strikes out Cespedes to complete a 1-2-3. Top of the first, Jose Fernandez off to a good start here today in Jupiter. Nothing doing for the Mets. When we come back, it'll be the Miami Marlins coming to the plate as you listen on the Marlins Radio Network. <laughs>